0: Geek Top Five Season Five.
1: I'm so happy you're here. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) This is so exciting.
0: Geek Top Five. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And we are back, and we are bringing in another special guest into the virtual studio. Yes, still virtual. It's a things are opening up out there, but not quite yet. Uh, we'll leave it to your own judgment, but you folks know how to stay safe by now. We're leaving things online uh, just for while we can. But hey, you know what? A lot of times we got folks from just down the street trapped in our individual pods, but we've got somebody fresh from the land of highfalutin production down there. Graham, can I hand it off to you to introduce our distinguished guest?
2: Yes, uh, this week we have with us from the land of Netflix, Katie Shanahan, director extraordinaire of the new Netflix show Centaur World, director of episodes five and nine. She comes from the world of comic books and cartoons from Toronto, and she was so in such high demand that she got plucked by the American government to go fix the animation industry (laughs) in California. Katie, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, guys. Happy to be here. (laughs) Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us. Uh, Katie, I would love to dig a bit into your background because there's so much cool stuff there. I know I have a bunch of like I have both the Silly Kingdom books. (laughs) I have the Shrub Monkeys. But I think one of the big things we want to hit today is Centaur World. And I wanted to get started by asking if you could tell us and the folks listening to the show sort of what Centaur World is. And I give you that not just as a prompt for a guest, but also because, I mean, I've watched the whole first season and I'm still not sure how to explain it because I have never seen anything quite like this.
1: It's it's funny because uh, um, it's a show uh, by Megan Nicole Dong and even she, when asked what it's about, is always like, it's really hard to describe. And it's her show. So um, I'm in great company. Um, But Centaur World is a new uh, musical comedy roadshow action adventure on Netflix. And it's the story of a war horse who gets transported to a magical Muppet-like world of singing, dancing centaurs. And uh, this horse must do whatever she can to get back to her rider in the uh, much more scary world. So you've got kind of like this epic kind of Lord of the Rings kind of vibe. And then you've got Muppet happy fun times. (laughs) And then it's just woven together in this kind of, what I like to call like fart jokes and feelings where it's like you're, you're laughing at something ridiculous one second and then you're crying your eyes out at a beautiful song the next. Um, uh, some people have described just the emotional whiplash and I love it. <laughs> it's really great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's about 10 episodes. It just all dropped uh, last Friday. So pretty fresh and new. And I'm just so happy it's finally out. I I've had the songs in my head for over a year and um, yeah, truly, truly was a dream project to work on that. Um, yeah. <laughs>
2: I, yeah. We we are definitely not animation experts, but I remember it was it was announced in in September of 2019, and it's coming out now. Is that timeline normal? Like two hours for or two years rather for ten episodes? Is that a normal production timeline um, for something like this, or is that I mean, that feels long? And and I, I,
1: yeah, it it is it is. Well, I mean, COVID nineteen um, did slow down a lot of um, in some ways. Everybody was able to work from home, but some of the animation studios got a little bit. Um, slowed down just with everyone sure. moving to work from home um, uh, and organizing and stuff like that. I, it's 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 interesting because when everyone got work from home orders, animation actually, strangely, just by happenstance, happened to do quite well. Um, just, you know, where people that are used to working from home, you have your computers. It It was fairly smooth, but there were some hiccups in production just getting everything everything sent back, because I mean, your voice actors need to get their kids delivered, everybody has to start building their own soundproof rooms. Um, or, or mostly people just go into their closets and put their mic set up there. Uh, but there was an adjustment of period, I think. Um, so I, I'm not really sure how long a normal timeline is but uh i mean i wish it came out sooner <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy it's out now and
2: uh just to be clear i wasn't trying to be critical it looks no, gorgeous no. like i feel like you can see every every moment of time and care put into it like some of the just the subtle character uh the way people emote like that the, just the little details are so well uh, articulated it really feels like that time was well used it just is like it's amazing how uh, how much Netflix seems to have backed this because it's it's so unique, like Jesse said, and and just like uh, such a it seems like such a personal story, even with all the hundreds of people who worked on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, it, it was split between two animation studios, um, Mercury in Ottawa, uh, yay Canada, and a Red Dog <laughs> Culture House, um, who handled a lot of the um, human world stuff. So they did more. Um, actually they, they both ended up mixing stuff i think mercury did some of that as well uh, but i mean mercury is an incredible studio the animators there are amazing you know the scenes would come in it would just it, it would feel like the characters were breathing <laughs> they just felt so alive it was incredible um and it was one of those things where we're all really happy with what we created in the animatics and then just seeing what animation came back with and all the extra nuance was mind-blowing i mean and you know, also the the color design and the character design, and just I was so blown away. It's like I'm a fan of the show, and having worked on it as well, um, I just yeah, so happy we can share.
0: <laughs> and really, I mean, that's like sure like with a lot of shows, you know, a lot of shows have an animation style, and this one very clearly has two.
3: Mm-hmm. Like the
0: mm-hmm. the opening scene where we establish our human world, it's got kind of an like I want to say an avatar feel to it almost. Mm-hmm. That's I think, what I picked up too. Yeah. Sure. I'm feeling exactly. a lot of Legends of Korra from, from mm-hmm. Rider and Horse. But then as soon as you drop into Centaur World with the and again, I don't know where to go from here, but like <laughs> like Steven Universe and Adventure Time kinda look. I'm not it's hard to <laughs> nail down.
1: It's pretty <laughs> wacky. And it does it does feel very much like Megan's style. Um, Megan's been uh, she's she's been an animation for a long time, but she also was someone I met through her comics. Um, her online handle is Sketch Shark, and she would post pretty much every day just goofy comics about animals and weird, just weird stuff, just the weirdest stuff. <laughs> and it's, it's very much looking at the centaurs. It's like, oh, oh yeah, this is totally Megan's style. And her <laughs> sense of comedy, but then also um, the side of her that loves musical theater. Um, and, you know, she she wrote um, pretty much all of the songs. Well, with, with, the, uh, her co-EP, uh, Dominic Visignano. So the two of them teamed up to write all the songs. Um, so when we were starting out doing the boards, we would be listening to their scratch track, which was also amazing, <laughs> you know, before the, the actual professional actors came in, the scratch track was incredible. Um, and then just enhanced by, you know, actual Broadway stars and, and, uh, uh, music uh, composer that just really beautiful work. When I blink
3: my spots turn into pies. tiny versions of myself
1: are on my Um so it really is this just really interesting mix of silly, serious, heartbreaking, goofy, musical. Just like the songs have made me cry <laughs> still <laughs> to this day. Um yeah, we have friends that, uh, it's on Spotify now, and I have friends that'll make playlists where it's like, Centaur World, not the sad songs, so that right. you don't get caught off guard. But, but yeah. that
0: is the other side of that, too. I mean, that the, the nursery rhyme for the Nowhere King? Oh, like the- yes. <laughs> is genuinely disturbing like those people who wrote that just somebody check in on them please it's
1: real creepy and it's it's funny i I gotta say when the trailer came out um everyone was like oh this katie this show feels totally like your style this totally reminds me of you but every scene of mine in the trailer was nowhere king stuff (laughs) because i was just like give me the villain please i just wanted i just want to draw the villain
0: I did notice the episodes you directed tended to be connected to the, like, there's a lot of lore drops. I like lore drops. In those. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Fair. I,
1: yeah, I think especially the, um, the Bear Tar song in uh, number five, I was kind of like, here's a chance to show a little bit of the war that essentially wrecked Centaur World a bit um, without actually explicitly showing violence. It's like little figures, but it's it was a bad time. But it's when you kind of put it in a song, it's not as upsetting is showing you a big battle. It's like, oh, these poor cute little critters are just, these little dolls are knocked over. It's like, oh, it was a sad time.
0: Fair. So, let's circle back just a bit. I mean we've talked a lot about about like the folks who created it but let's mm-hmm. let's talk a little bit about you and how you got involved with mm-hmm. this, and maybe those like daily comic those sketch shark comics are a good point way to to start because I know for a while you were almost daily with the shrub monkeys right yeah
1: yeah yeah um I wish I was daily. I feel like I was weekly at the best. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yep,
0: all but, right.
1: But those were those were fun um, kind of autobiocomics about my siblings and just being a nerdy animator living in Toronto. Um, and actually, it's, it's through those comics and through the flight anthologies that I met a lot of people um, out here in LA animation because a lot of people out here were also working in the industry and making comics. And uh, I think it was at Toronto Comic Arts Festival. I forget what year, but Megan came down. She was kind of new, newly working at DreamWorks. She was uh, new in the industry and a mutual friend of ours, uh, Joanne Matt, who's Rough Tune online, who does so much amazing avatar comics. Um, But uh, she introduced us and me and Megan um, just happened to, every time we table at Comic-Cons, we happened to just be table neighbors and (laughs) just, we would always be like, let's be table neighbors, um, which was fun. And then years don't make sense right now but a few years ago she came to tcaf and was just like hey you know i I just sold a show to netflix do you want to work on it i said please (laughs) please yes i would would love to because i've been wanting to come out yeah yeah let me think yes um i'd I'd been wanting to come out this way for a while and it was kind of one of those things where it was like you know if it doesn't happen soon i don't know if it's going to happen because you know the older you get like it's like i don't know if i want to move my whole life to la if i'm you know, just settling down Toronto, it's, it's, it was kind of like, it's going to be soon or never. And that's okay. But, um, just the timing worked out really well. And Jerry and I went, okay, let's go, let's go to LA. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was kind of just one of those things where I was like, that would be really cool if it happened. And then, yeah, it worked out. <laughs> what, what else should I say? Uh-
2: <laughs> it, I, I want to talk about the the animation career a little bit where yeah, you, yeah. You sort of started out as a, a, I, I only really know the broad strokes, but I know you you started off as an animator and then yes. at some point became a storyboard artist. And I know that's a, a pretty prestigious role in animation. And now you've moved on to director. I'm sure there's. I'm missing huge chunks here, but within those broad strokes, how how do, does that happen? Like, how do you go from one to the other? And and um, was there always the plan to become a director?
1: Oh gosh. Um it's it's funny the directing cuz i you know a- animation is great if you're storyboarding too is really good if you're someone that likes to just like hide in your room and just draw all day <laughs> it's yeah. like i could just go here and i could just sit in my shy little corner and draw but directing definitely you you are a lot more involved you know you're more on call you're it's a lot more meetings it's definitely a lot more of a um art and middle management and you're overseeing the whole episode you're overseeing the animatics so you really have to be more involved. You can't just go hide away and work. You need to be in the moment more. And um, honestly, when Megan invited me to direct on Central World, at first I said no because I was just like, I don't know if I can do it. I've never directed. Uh, I'm not sure. But she just really liked, you know, the, my comic work and and just the vision I had for things. So it's it's one of those things where I said uh, no, but I'll storyboard. And then when I went and told like everyone about it. They were like, what are you doing? Go direct, <laughs> dummy. I was like, oh, okay, I'll figure it out as I go. So it's definitely been um, a lot of a learning, a learning process here. And I've loved it. Um, just working with uh, other creators and just helping shape an episode towards finale. And I love working in the edit suite. It's been fantastic. So, you know, starting out, I, I never really thought I'd ever pursue direct directing or any kind of leadership. I, I was happy to storyboard because uh, it let me, be flexible and that i could take on a job board you know hand it in go do my own thing make a comic go back um it was a lot more solo but uh, you know i i really love just being a part of a group at netflix um centaur world especially too just it's i, I felt it sounds like i went to like a way to summer camp i was like you guys this is the best <laughs> camp ever but it was one of those things where everybody who was on Centaur world was like Everyone's really nice. Everyone's really talented. Everyone's super respectful. We all care about the show, and we're all we all became really close friends. And it's just like, man, this is like what you hope animation is going to be like. Um, and it's it's it just kind of good leadership um, from top down. You know, Meg and her crew, uh, the people she brought on, were wonderful, um, and just we were all excited to be there and be part of the project. So you you mentioned kind of feeling personal, but it was like it it did feel that way because everybody. In every episode, everybody would take on a song and would just really own that song. And yeah, it's it's one of those things where I, I hope it's not a one off. I hope I have more. <laughs> to, and, and actually, I, I have. Um, I'm very lucky that the projects I went on to afterwards uh, have been great as well. Um, so yeah, it's one of those things where I just don't think I can go back to storyboarding alone <laughs> in an office by myself. I really love just being a part of a crew because that's what animation is. You know, comics is great for. For working on your own project, animation, you're it's it's a whole group project. It's you. It's the the story artists. It's the um, the writers, the designers, the everything. Everybody else brings the animation team brings something too. Everybody brings a little something, and there's nothing quite like those big group pitches, which would have scared me at first, honestly, because it's it's like, hey, I like to draw, but it's like in storyboarding, you also have to perform, so it's like you got to go up there and pitch your board you have to go up there and really sell it and it's kind of it can be a little intimidating especially because our industry tends to lean towards you know a little more introverted uh in a way right but i don't know it's it's there's something really fun about the performance of it um just getting there and letting the boards speak and letting it just play out um yeah but i mean Yeah, to answer, long story short, uh, yeah, I'm happy it went this way. Wasn't expecting it, but I, I just, every day is a bonus. It's just like, yeah, let's just see where this adventure goes.
0: So tell us a little bit more about, I mean, like, episode director and working on the show. Like, what's the average day like for you when this show is in in production? Like, in your role, what is it exactly that you're doing from 9 to 5? Or, well, probably not just (laughs) 9 to 5, but whatever it is. You know,
1: I will say, um, uh, I worked like a 9 to 6 day, but Centaur World was... Just really smoothly run ship. Like there were no all nighters, there was no crazy schedule. Um, our producers took pride in making sure no one was overworked or overstressed, which honestly happens a lot in animation. Um, you know, I've worked a ton of all nighters storyboarding, um, so I was just very happy that we had really good schedules. Um, storyboarding a lot of the time back in home in Toronto, and uh, I love I love Toronto animation people. Um, I find schedules could be better, but you kind of deal with what you what you got. Um, sometimes you have you know, uh, six weeks to do a 22 minute script all by yourself. And that can be really stressful. Um, in central world it was six weeks to do a 22 minute script divided amongst three people. So it was a lot easier to divide up work, um, without getting stressed out. So three of us, um, me and a team of two, uh, we would split up the episode, each pick a song, each, each, uh, pick a section and, you know, my day would be checking in, making sure things were all syncing up. Um, a lot of it was front end stuff. I'd go to design, you know, what do we need? Um, I think about stuff even like the Bear Tar episode, uh, the Bear Tar song where he has her running around on this map. That was something that I checked in with design, like, hey, can I just make this up? But it has to make sense. So I drew up a map, worked with the art designer to make something that made sense. Um, hmm. And then a lot of that, yeah, a lot of that was like uh, talking to Megan too, like, what what do you have in mind for this kind of sequence? So getting their thoughts, making sure the story team had that. Um, the great thing about being in studio was the story team could ask people too. You know, that's the nice thing about being in studio. You can go walk into the art director's room and just, what are you thinking for this character design? Um, and uh, just open open communication is really great. Um, but yeah, so uh, a lot of the time we'd just be chugging through the boards because <laughs> we would whip it out pretty quickly. Uh, just to We called it putting it on stilts. We'd, we'd board the episode super rough um, stick figures. Sometimes you'd even write, this happens on a panel. And we'd pitch it to Megan and Dominic, um, the co-EP, see how it was flowing. If they were happy with it, we'd go back into our little um, desks and just draw for another couple weeks and get it ready for the big pitch. And that was, it was a rough pitch, but it was where we would get in front of the whole crew and just play our episode, see how it was working. Um, and yeah, thankfully everybody was so brought their A game where like every rough pitch was amazing. You know, everything was pretty much already in yeah. place from there to how it would be in the final.
0: I know Graham and I were certainly familiar with the Shanahan first <laughs> first draft. Let me just,
1: <laughs> let me just make this.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's already a plus. It's nowhere to go.
1: But, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's where it's cool that like everyone can keep plusing it from there. Um, And then there were a couple more pitches in there where we would have to pitch the Netflix executives as well. Um, But they were also fans of the show. So very minimal notes, just making sure the story was on track. Um, And then once it was in animatic, uh, I, as a director, would be working with the editor. Um, So that's where things got a little, not stressful, but my attention would be divided a bit where I'd be boarding the next episode a little bit, but also sitting in the edit suite, you know, getting the timing right, um, adding moments like episode I don't want to spoil things, but like episode nine, there's moments where it was just like, we need to really linger on this sad face for longer, <laughs> you know, just really get this moment feeling good. Um, so it's a lot of timing stuff or this joke didn't land. Let me draw something and put it back in. Um, so, and and I actually really enjoyed that. I like being able to just keep finessing um, though. At some point it has to move on. So it's like a, at some point I would get the animatic as far as I could. It would get, um, put into the hands of the story supervisor and her revision team for anything extra they needed, and then I'd be hopped on to the next episode. And uh, yeah, that was uh, about nine months—nine months of work, um, which I'm quite pleased. <laughs> Every episode we did, I'm, I'm very proud of the work all the teams. Yeah, it, put it definitely
0: it. sounds like you know you're were, you were doing what you love and getting paid for it. Yeah, uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I feel very lucky. Um, Netflix, I'm. I'm really happy with netflix as a studio you know i I don't want to sound like it's like but yeah
3: yeah just they've
1: treated me really well i really like you know they they just seem like people that care um not just about the work but about the people that work there and um you know i again i love i love the people in toronto animation but i was feeling a little bit burnt out on some of the projects um and and just you know i definitely would go back again um at some point for sure. Uh, you know, I don't think I could stay out in LA forever, but I do feel like, I, I don't know if it's just being in LA, it's the union. I think it's just being closer to the, the owners. It's being closer to just, I don't know. I, I, I feel treated really well out here and I, I hope Toronto gets a union at some point because people need to be paid more and have, you know, um more vacation time, you know, just just Yeah.
0: More human stability and work life balance. Yeah, you know, yeah. The kind of things that are missing from those jobs I, around here I, right now.
1: I genuinely haven't really felt that till I came out here. Um I just yeah, I'm 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 happy at Netflix. <laughs> Please don't fire me, Netflix. <laughs> 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 um but uh, yeah it's it's been good and um i'm excited for i can't say anything about other seasons but i'm excited for maybe things happen <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
2: so i guess uh after directing the only thing left in the animation world for you to conquer is is like creating your own show and, <laughs> and running it
1: <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see on that I'd, I'd happily help another friend uh show run before hopping <laughs> into that because that that just, like, I don't know when Megan sleeps. <laughs> when she wasn't, like, in every meeting, she was also just in a room writing songs.
2: And doing <laughs> like, one of the voices, right?
1: Yeah, she's the voice of Glendale, the, the little Muppet that talks like this. And I, I only know that, too. Well, I mean, I, I know that's her, but also I just kind of... Um, Randomly became the official scratch for Glendale because no one else wanted to do that voice. So yeah, just to be like, "Hey Katie, can you come in and do some Glendale?" I was like, "Okay," but I don't want to because it just wrecks your voice. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was the I was the unofficial Glendale in the
0: animatics. That, it's extremely convincing. I, I <laughs> yeah. just like oh, just good. wrapped up with the show. My own watch for this, and I, I absolutely would have bought that. Some of your lines made it in.
1: <laughs> <laughs> might have. I might not have caught them. <laughs> But yeah, uh, it was great. Um, I had a fun time. I really. I we're always joking, like Megan, please make another show so we can all come together and be on it again. But also take a vacation. Please take a break.
2: Uh, so what was it, what was it as a director, were you involved in the voice sessions too and, and, uh, getting those performances?
1: Um, not, not on this project. Um, mm-hmm. some, some time, I think it depends on uh, the projects. I know some episode directors that will be in a recording booth. Um, the project I'm on now, I might actually have to go <laughs> be an, on a zoom call with the actors, but on the show, um, yeah, that was, that was separate. So I never got to meet any of them. Although, no, that's not true. Actually, some of them would show up into the after parties of our own personal screenings. Um, there is this, I forget what it's called. It's a really cute party app. It's called Gather. I don't know if you guys know it. Um, I don't,
0: please. It, link was,
1: it was described as kind of like Animal Crossing and Zoom, but it's, it's like your little pixel sprites and you're walking around like a little digital party room. Okay. And as you get closer to people, their Zoom windows pop up. So it's, it's kind of like in this age where we can't really gather. It's it's like you can run around a little pixel. Like uh, it feels like you're running around a little video game and just running up to friends. And then as you get closer, their videos pop up and you can be in conversations. <laughs> um, so we had that for after the Central World Party. And um, Leia Salonga, who's like a Broadway legend, um, voice of Mulan uh, from the Disney film Mulan, um, she's the voice of woman in our series. And she was at the party and the artists were too scared to go talk to her. We are like, it's Mulan, we can't go say hey. So it was like, there was an actor right there and we were too scared to do anything. It's like, she would, we would just all, and it's like, you'd see the little pixel characters just getting closer to her, just kind of circling but not wanting to go in in because we were too shy. And, you know, she was just chatting with Megan and um, some of the show producers, but, you know, it's, you can't help it. We're like a nervous little herd that just, (laughs) You still can't take that awkward artist out of the <laughs> equation.
0: I noticed the the use of the herd terminology. I guess that's sort of uh, <laughs> yeah, we kind of talked over that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> just it reminds me of just some of the parties early on at Netflix where we just you know we just knew each other, so we'd just be gathering. <laughs> I remember one of uh, my story friends was just like, "I hate what we become. We're just a herd, just <laughs> moving from table to table." Uh, but they're a good bunch.
2: Well, yeah, it was a very cool cast on the show, and, and episode five, the the first episode that you directed, even had uh, one of the guys from the New York Dolls doing the voice of uh, Bear Tar, and he's he from Scrooged and stuff. It was uh, very cool seeing uh, your name attached to those people's <laughs> names. It, it felt uh, very cool, and I, I like. I think my favorite of the characters on the show, for whatever reason, is. Uh Ched?
1: Yeah. <laughs> he tells it like it is. Yeah, <laughs> I guess he's just full a, of anger.
2: <laughs> great performance and I love that actor and other stuff. So it was, it was amazing. Was
1: yeah. Part. I was like, that guy? Silicon <laughs> <Sultan laughs> Valley? He's in our show? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and he sings. <laughs> great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean maybe someday when we're able to have an actual in-person party, um, I can just go and hang out with the story artists and hide from the actors in real life. Uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean,
2: I would hope you step it up. Yeah, but, I wouldn't uh, I
1: yeah.
2: would like to say so. <laughs> so. I guess it, maybe it's too early to say, but is there talk of a season two? It kind of ends on a cliffhanger.
1: It does. It does. Um, the thing is, is Netflix hasn't officially said anything yet, so I can't say anything officially yet, but it doesn't it on a cliffhanger, doesn't it? <laughs>
0: Wink. <laughs> oh, what a <laughs> and, it seems, oh. and I mean, we can say this. I mean, the show so far is getting pretty positive reviews. I mean, yeah. it's been out for uh, not quite a week, and uh, like everywhere I go, people are loving it.
1: Yeah, I think we were hundred percent of Rotten Tomatoes for one day. And we were like, yes, just like Paddington Bear too. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing.
3: So,
1: <laughs> I haven't checked since, but I'm just like, that'll, that'll still be in my mind. <laughs> but yeah, it's doing well. And, you know, I'll say I do, um, I don't go on Tumblr as much anymore. Some of the other uh, artists love going on Tumblr uh, to check out the fan art tag, but I'm always on Instagram, just looking at a lot of really beautiful fan art that's coming out. It's, it feels really nice to see. <laughs> It's everyone's so talented. Ah, ah, I love it. I love the love. Can I ask
0: just one more question about the show? Yeah, I'm a little please. curious about it. I, it might be a complicated answer. It might not. The like I think the Netflix official rating is ages seven and up, and that's fine. Yeah, like it definitely looks like a kids show if you see like the cover art they use mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But some of the themes and yeah. some of the conversations seem to be targeted it slightly. too young
1: for me, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's. I'm not a parent, so it's hard for me to say. Um, you know, my friend's five year old is watching, and I'm just like, you know, FYI, like a bug gets squished at one point. But just so you know, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like uh, whatever is whatever is fine. But uh. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how they do that stuff. I, mean,
0: I suppose, like, you know, it's it's not like there's any graphic nudity or anything. Uh, but there, I, I did have a
1: friend that was, like, looking at all the topless dudes, just like, is this, like, good for kids? I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's silly. Well, <laughs> yeah, <like,
0: laughs> yeah. And when, like, when, when they're drawing what she imagines the mer- dudes look <laughs> oh, like, yeah. it's like, it's the like... mer dudes.
1: <laughs> That's where I was like, this feels kind of like preteen, but sure. see yeah. there's
0: the, there's the chest hair, then there's more hair down below. It's like
1: that's feels like it's pushing age seven. It's just like this will just fly over their heads, and then we're all like, oh my god, that episode. Um... Especially, it was, <laughs> so we, we actually have a, a crew uh, zine that we made called Man, Man Splash, and it's all just thirsty merman art. <laughs> it's one of those things where um, one of our writers, uh, Aminder, organized it, and everyone was just like, pencils down, we're drawing merman. <laughs> it was like everyone put their deadlines on pause and just started drawing merman. And uh, a lot of that art, you can see, made it into the credits. <laughs> so, and there's a, lot, there's a lot more that made it. That we drew that made it into the show, so um, yeah. But that that episode in particular, <laughs> I don't know how they choose the ratings, <laughs> but it's a very thirsty episode,
0: right? I guess so. In the in, the, in short, it's a little something for everyone.
1: A little something <laughs> for everyone. A hundred percent. Fair
2: enough. I think we've uh, covered the the major plot points here for Centaur World. So let's dive into the list and and in that same. Millia of uh horse people we're gonna mm. talk about the top five horses in uh popular fiction all right so katie what uh where are we gonna start here i know you've done a, a list in a way wh- that we have not experienced before so you're gonna have to take us through this okay categories
1: yeah because i was kind of like it's hard for me to just pick top five ever because they all just they've got different strengths they're kind of like different genre uh, kind of thing um but, like, the first one that comes to mind, like, the first talking horse I ever saw was, like, the Disney horse. You know, it's kind of the sidekick character. It's the character that doesn't necessarily talk, but is there to roll their eyes at the lead or kind of, <laughs> like, chuckle or, like, ride into battle. Um, and, you know, just because Sleeping Beauty was one of my very favorite movies as a kid, I'm just like, Samson. Samson was Prince Philip, I think, horse. Um, and he got a lot of just, like, the eye rolls and the, like... <laughs> chuckles but then also like went to charge a dragon so i'm just like okay he's kind of like your pal but also he's brave um and it's just kind of i don't know if he's the first talking horse but he's one of the first talking horse and a long a long line of talking disney horses no not talking yeah. sorry uh acting or, yeah
0: you, I, i'm <laughs> trying emoting. to figure it out too like it's anthropomorphized
1: horses anthropomorphized or? yeah that's that's yeah. that's more like character kind of they don't just have like dot eyes they're Uh, Yes, anthropomorphized. Um, I think the latest is maybe Maximus from Tangled, who's got like really fun. He's basically
2: basically Samson over again, kind of like an even less serious uh, Samson. Way more. And and, you know, don't get me started on Tangled. It feels like it's uh, cherry picked the best bits from a bunch of different Disney movies and put it all in one, including Samson.
1: Yeah, I mean, they had a whole good history list to look at of just like. a lot, a lot of, a lot of good stuff to just select from. Um, yeah, but uh, here's
2: what's worked before. Let's, yeah. let's try it again. How do we but perfect
1: yeah. the the horse pal? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but Samson's very cool, and it's a is a noble horse, and and uh, has got some some character to him. And and I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but the the second he's sort of features more in the second half of Sleeping Beauty, and that's
3: mm-hmm.
2: can be a more staid half, more like. You know, good versus evil, and so having mm-hmm. him there uh, lightens it up a little bit. Maybe he's he's got the, the handsome prince, mm-hmm. kind of boring, right? Like no one yeah, remembers him. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's just like, okay, come on, let's add a bit of. <laughs> I think I think he only you don't get a full dragon horse fight. He he just gets him to the fight, but it's still like, all right, I get you here. You you take it the rest of the way. Uh, but uh, I mean, animating horses is hard. <laughs> it's, that's something we learned on the show. Where it's you got the two walk cycles going and just. <laughs> You know, kudos to Disney for just always being like, no, we're putting a horse in this. Eddie, axe. <laughs> uh, I mean,
2: look, you're telling us animating a horse is hard. I, I think animating anything is hard. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh,
2: <laughs> but that's that's uh, cool. And, and, you know, it was, they, they continue to that like Sven is uh, kind of mm-hmm. that, uh, not a, a horse, but in that same mold in the Frozen movies. and. Mm-hmm. Always need horses. That's true. Yeah, yeah, And they're always sort of the abbot character, aren't they? Yes. I
0: mean, yeah. I, I, I guess it makes sense because they're not going to be Costello because they don't, they can't give them any punchlines. and exactly. so They're not talking. Yeah.
1: But. They need to get that eye roll down perfectly, just like oh, this dumb human.
0: <laughs> yeah. But having the horse as the straight man—that's—it's it's just not something I'd considered before.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're perfect for it. <laughs>
0: And yet your horse is a, uh, I mean, just, you know, jumping back and forth a bit, but like your horse is very much the star of the show. Yes. Um, yeah. And yeah. A, a guess- lot of
1: these horses are kind of like, um, uh, sidekicks, but horse specifically it's, it's, she is the star of centaur world. I, I mean, it's, it's an assemble it's an ensemble class, uh, or musical, musical ensemble. I, there's some word there. It's not coming <laughs> in. Uh, but yeah, she's, she's the lead. She's a horse named horse, uh, Big personality.
2: We, should we should we jump to that? Because I mean I know it's well, on let's, the list. Let's, Ooh, let's leave save that. that. Let's I, save I can save for last. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah.
0: Okay. So Disney horses to start off with. Samson okay. as the archetype, as the uh the yeah. straight man, you know, comedic eye roll horse. Yeah. I guess in, in we'll in stick mind, that at. Yeah, yeah we'll yep. stick that at sort of the as the exemplar at number five.
1: Sure. Oh, gosh, I gotta put it in order. Okay, yeah, let's put number five. <laughs> Good boy. Okay, uh, so what I would guess be number four. There's, Ooh, video while you're game?
2: thinking, I just wanna think about some of the other, like, the other horses uh, that we've got in Disney. Like, mm-hmm. there's the, isn't there like one in, in 101 Dalmatians in I gotta the stadium? And... I have a
1: list of every single oh, horse in Disney. Uh, <laughs> um, so there's, yes, there is, uh, there's Khan and Mulan, who's kind of, uh, Again, the serious horse a little bit. Um, yeah, have, he's
2: not like anthropomorphized, is he?
1: I think I think a little bit. He like rolls okay. his eyes at Mushu a bit. I think he steps on Mushu. Um, <laughs> oh have, yeah, yeah, there's yeah, a rivalry it's just, there. Yeah, yeah, it's just like you can't be the other Zodkirk. Um There's Pegasus, who's who's also wonderful. Uh, fights a Hydra, has wings. Right. It's made out of little clouds. Um, Beauty and the Beast, there's Philippe. I mean, I could read <laughs> like, just read I through every single horse. <laughs> I, mean,
0: I imagine this was all sort of referenced while you guys were doing production, right? Like this isn't just a hobby.
1: Well, I mean, the cool thing is, is um, I didn't, I didn't choose this horse for my top horse, but it's, it's an amazing horse movie. Um, Spirit Valley of the Cimarron um, is a DreamWorks film. Um, and You know, it's it is very much like the benchmark of horse animation. That's in large part to uh, James Baxter, who was the lead animator. And you know, he came on to Centaur World. He's the Netflix uh, head of character animation, and he gave a lecture to. I I wasn't there at the time, but you know, showed he's got kind of a series of lectures on how to draw a horse properly, how to animate a horse properly. He's kind of the go-to horse guy. Um, I think there's even a reference to him in Adventure Time. There's some really well animated horse balancing on a ball that just goes james baxter (laughs) and and it's in reference to him and i think actually that's his voice (laughs) because he's he's like a like a you know animation legend out here and he's an incredible animator um but especially his horses so we were we very much benefited from his knowledge and and had a stack of sheets on how to draw horses (laughs) properly while we were storyboarding um and, you know, not to, I, I don't think I, I mean, I can spoil Centaur World stuff a little bit, right? If, if you're listening to this, pause, go watch the entire series <laughs> and come back. Um, but, but Horses is a lot more, uh, Horses is a lot more anatomical with the first half of the episode. Right. And then she gets a lot easier to draw the second half of the series <laughs> <laughs> when she gets a little more centaurized.
2: <laughs> huh. Okay. And then swishier. there was a... That that movie got a, a Netflix animated series later on too, right? I mean, I yes. guess that makes sense if he's working at uh, Netflix now.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think DreamWorks is still doing that one. It's it's released on Netflix. Um, but yeah, it's it's popular series. Uh, kids people like their horses.
2: Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, what's the next horse on the list?
1: Okay. Um, I'm gonna say. I'm gonna go into video games, uh, top video game horse, and this is hard. And uh, you know, apologies if this isn't everyone's favorite, but you know, it's it's very personal choices. Um, there's a lot of good ones to choose from. One of my favorite things to do in a game is just get on a horse and go ride. You know, that's if it has that mechanic in a game. It's my instant favorite game. Um, you know, back back in Toronto over the winters, I'd play a lot of Red Dead Redemption Two, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Even though they're not really horses, they're, they're robot <laughs> yeah. dinosaurs, but she can still ride them around um the witcher i played a lot of witcher um but you know i kind of have to go back to the classic uh ocarina of time when you first get epona the little horse (laughs) and and you're riding around hyrule and pressing carrots to make her go faster like she was always my favorite um you know i just i I, I can't
2: get this image out of my head of you playing red dead redemption 2 and like Horse jacking someone, being I am so sorry. No, I just it's
1: not. Need to ride. <laughs> Red Dead was hard because I played it, you know, the the good mode. I tried to be a good man. <laughs> in Red Dead. Uh, and the hard thing with Red Dead Redemption is that like your horses can perma die if you fall off a cliff or something. So it's just you. I, I never move faster than jumping off the couch to shut off the PlayStation if I accidentally like, killed my horse. I'm just like, no, I will not lose you. <laughs> We've been through too much because you kind of like there's the story. Um, but then also just you on this horse, you're kind of just making a story in your head as you're just going around sightseeing, <laughs> like even, even Horizon Zero Dawn, where you're, you can hack robot dinosaurs and ride them around. Um, the first one I did that to got killed in a fight and I was so sad. <laughs> I was like, no, I named you. You were my favorite. Well, gotta go hack another dinosaur, I guess. But you know, there's something, and I think about this too, about like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's. There's something about, I don't know if it's like the hero's journey where it's like you're going off solo on an adventure, but you need, like the horse is just a great companion for that solo adventure where you're going off to find yourself or solve some quest, but it's like, you still got your horse, buddy. You're not totally alone talking to yourself. You're your stalwart companion. Um, yeah,
0: I've read from the perspective of video game designers that the horse, like, it like the player reacts to a horse because in a way at first because it's a tool right mm-hmm. like in ocarina of time like you you grow up your adult link and you're stumbling around this what then seemed like a really big world oh, yeah. you know would we in 1995 i think yes. <laughs> uh, 1998 uh but then you get the horse and all of a sudden you can like you're flying across yeah. the map and you can mow down enemies and stuff oh, um but it's just realistic enough that we recognize that like, you know, you don't see it as a tool like the hook shot or the, mm-hmm. the fire rod or something like it's a live. It feels like it's a living creature that you're also sort of playing. Yes. So you identify with the horse. Like it's. I think I'm phrasing this badly, but like video no, game I developers getcha. know this as a standard trick. If you put <laughs> a trustworthy animal into the game that helps the player, mm-hmm. like that bond is like built in. There's nothing as human beings we can do to avoid
1: it. A hundred percent. And I, I yeah. think too. I, I, it's been a long time since I played Ocarina. I'm, I'm not sure if this mechanic's in it, but just sometimes you can pet and brush them. And that just like makes you love them even more. Like in Red Dead, you're always like, that's a good boy. As you're petting your horse or you can brush them. And it's just, I always enjoyed that. Like maybe if you could pet your hookshot, you'd like it better. <laughs> but there's just something nice about just having that interaction with just a beautiful... Creature that makes you not have to walk across <laughs> the, the damn map. Like, especially in Breath of the Wild, like, if I can't get a horse, I'm just like, I gotta run across this whole world.
3: It's
0: yes. <laughs> yeah. too
1: much. I'm exhausted.
3: <laughs> and
0: Breath of the Wild gives you those options. You can, like, customize the mane, customize the saddle. You can mm-hmm. feed them apples out of your hand, and oh. they love it. And you build, yeah. There's a whole, yeah. That's in there for a very specific reasons. And you can call Ipona back in Breath of the Wild. I think it's locked behind amiibo because Nintendo. Oh,
1: but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But
0: yeah, Extra yeah. You can special. get your your favorite buddy for sure.
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to try that because <laughs> I miss Ipona, <laughs> my first video game horse buddy. I think, yeah, yeah. A lot of these answers are nostalgic too.
2: <laughs> there's definitely something to having the horse be like be named and be like the only horse that you have in the game like i i i sympathize with you with the red dead ones but i also found like at a certain point it was kind of you're always trading up for the next horse that can run faster and do this Mm -hmm. and and you never i at least when i've played the red dead games i've never found myself getting attached to any one horse because they always feel like a little disposable whereas apona is like that is the horse that's yeah. the only one you're going to get and yeah. and your your things are bond between the characters that you you just don't get in a lot of other games
1: well it does make it awkward red dead because it's like you know i i keep my horse at a stable or like at camp and then come back with a better horse just like sorry (laughs) it's like i need to go on this mission but i don't want to send them away so it's just all these horses that are like why did you bring me here (laughs) like i can't let you go i love you all too much
0: Con- yeah, now contrast that with the opposite. This Don't let me get too deep in this hole, because we'll end up talking about it for an hour. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys played Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, actually, where-
1: yes, yes. Yeah,
0: because, yeah. I mean, aggro is, is aggro. my vote for best video game horse. Yes, I did sure. have aggro
1: written down here, but didn't didn't yeah. say aggro. I should have, but like just shouting aggro as you run to jump on. And then I think there might be one cutscene where aggro maybe gets hurt a little bit. At
3: some point, you're like,
0: There's... no. So, like, so spoiler alert for a 15-year-old video game.
1: Okay,
0: pause this but podcast, go play. Yeah, go play. The colossus is phenomenal. It's worth playing. But yeah, like you, this horse that grows with you through this whole thing. You like the feeding the, the colossi. It's, it's half fight and half puzzle, and you need him to solve some of the puzzles. Mm-hmm. Like you're riding him at like, a full gallop chasing the dragon one. And mm-hmm. on your way to the last Colossus, when you as the player are finally Starting to clue in that there's something wrong with this whole thing and that you're sacrificing too much. You're going at that full gallop over the bridge that's collapsing under mm-hmm. its feet. And at the last minute, Aggro bucks and kicks you off him to safety, and then he goes down mm-hmm. like, off the, as the bridge collapses. And like, I'm a you know, I was a stoic early twenties, you know, dude. Like, i I don't have a heart for animals, blah, but oh my god, it was almost balling.
1: For sure, they're so they're so wonderful. It's <laughs> just like no. <laughs> uh, yeah, just that one for, hurt. That one hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, like like Epona is great, and I think I agree with you. Is sort of the archetype of the video game horse, but mm-hmm. like, ooh, that's that was a tough one. Agro was, was a good boy. He was a good boy.
1: rough. <laughs> that was a rough one, but a great game.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Ugh. And since we're giving away spoilers mm-hmm. anyway, it mm-hmm. turns out Agro is okay in the end. He's he breaks okay. a leg. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You don't end up so good. But Agro's fine. <laughs>
1: Which oh, really is I... all that matters. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> I really I only know about horse stuff from from TV shows and movies, but a horse with a broken leg that's usually not a good thing. That's that's bad news. Well,
0: I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're not around to ride him anywhere anyway. Yeah, I think it's uh <laughs> A big deal. Anyway, like I said, I could be here for a long time. Let's uh, let's move on. I don't want to hold on this up too much.
1: All good. Uh, on that topic, I think let's go to top tragic horses. <laughs> I actually do have a list. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this is going so dark. Um, but, you know, I, I had to kind of give a uh, little nod to uh, one of the early... <laughs> existentialistic uh, movies of my youth. I, I don't know if you guys have seen the never ending story, but uh, there's a moment where Artax, the the hero's wonderful horse, uh, goes into the swamp of sadness and it's a swamp that eats you up. If you don't, if you just can't get over your sadness and uh, yeah, it's, it's the horse uh, disappears in there and it's really sad. Oh my god! Um, yeah. And that's kind of something a lot of kids kind of, <laughs> a lot of generation of kids grew up just like, Oh my God, that's rough. <laughs> um, but I, I, I say Artax is kind of the uh, first archetype of a tragic horse, but the modern one that I, I cited for um, for my top pick was <laughs> Bojack Horseman <laughs> from the uh, Netflix Oof. series of the same name, which is a different kind of tragedy. Um, you know, not just the existentialism of death, but you know, depression, narcissism, self loathing, drug use, alcoholism, um, the struggle of being not a great person who wants to be a better person, but falls short, you know, the fun things.
0: <laughs> yeah. That that show is an investment. It's it, really
1: uh, rough. And it's one of those ones that took me by surprise because it was like, oh, you know, fun cartoony animals. Um and then just some of the things they were saying was like, this is really bleak and woof. <laughs> Yeah, So we
0: got to, we got to explain some of this for a bit because folks oh, yes. at home are like, wait a minute, they're feeding alcohol to the horse. No, 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 no sorry. It's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, Tell us a little bit about Bojack Horseman. Yeah.
1: So Bojack Horseman is a series. Um, it's, it's the world is, uh, I mean, they're people, but they've got animal heads. It's essentially uh, the, the art style. Uh, Lisa Hanawalt is the lead character designer and she does a lot of really great comics and art with kind of these animal people. Um and they're, for all intents and purposes, people. They just have animal heads, and they're animals. But uh, BoJack Horseman is a story about a, you know, an age '90s TV sitcom uh, actor who's uh, become irrelevant and is wealthy and you know should have it all and lives in Hollywood, but just is utterly depressed. And uh, um, I think the inciting bit of the story is a journalist comes to tell his story, and then it's just all the all the awfulness that comes from there um but he's he's a horse but he's a person it's it's again that weird thing how do you describe it he wears a sweater he's got human hands um <laughs> but yeah it's it's kind of one of those uh, it's an adult animated series that just uh, I don't know the writing I found just it rough but sometimes there'd be stuff in there that I found really powerful um, but then also just like, What's life like in Hollywood? <laughs> you know, just let me watch the show. Oh, this seems and, real tough. <laughs>
0: and the answer is terrible. It yeah. can be
1: bad. <laughs> I,
0: I think they had it described to me as like cartoon animals boogie nights.
1: Yes, I think and, that works. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's um I will like listen, I will come clean. I endured the first season um <laughs> uh, and got through it. And I started season two. Where it seems like he's gonna be okay, but for his job he needs to pretend to be depressed and he can't do it. Mm. And then I was just like, that's it, enough, like stop playing with my heart. I can't do this anymore. I could not I, I couldn't do it. I don't know, and I'm not the optimist of this dynamic duo on this podcast. You know, I, I like, I'm okay with dark material, but Mm -hmm. I, I only know a lot of the show through the zeitgeist now, yes, because it's just too dark.
1: It's one of those weird things where it's, it's. I think it gets away with darker stuff than uh, I would. In, in a live action show but that even the comedy in it kind of undercuts it a bit but sometimes the stuff they say I'm like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah sometimes I like to sit in the darkness so it's just like yes bring it <laughs> talking sad horse oh this, why do I feel depressed now after watching this whole thing um but I think just in terms of my top tragic horses that that's why Bojack goes there because it's it's a rough watch I think it's great but uh it's it's tough.
0: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's well animated. It's like it's it's the performances are spectacular. It's well written, but the subject material is so heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to pull out of my hat the example. He finds out an old friend of his is dying. I think of cancer,
3: mm-hmm.
0: and we find out through the narrative that they were sort of rising stars together, but mm-hmm. the friend got outed as gay, mm-hmm. and. Bojack had an opportunity to say that, no, don't fire him just because he's gay. That's mm-hmm. wrong. And he didn't. That's right. He went on with his career and abandoned the friend. Yes. So he, he goes back to the friend and finally works up like the, the like the, the cojones to say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. And the friend says, yeah, well, I don't forgive you. You exactly. ruined my life. Yeah. You, I needed a friend and you weren't there and the hell with you. And then he dies. And that's yeah. the end of the episode.
1: Yeah. It's. It gets a lot, a lot more of that in other seasons. Oh my you, like a Good things time things to don't,
3: you.
0: Yeah, that
1: things you don't. <laughs> and, uh. If you want things to not wrap up in a happy way, but like, <laughs> you know, it's kind of if you want to experience rough stuff from the comfort of your computer, uh, cartoon horse show, um, give it a watch. But it, it can be tough.
2: I feel like I, I can't. I mean, I haven't seen much Bojack Horseman, so I can't comment on that too much, but I I have to talk about Artax and that uh, swamp of sadness or whatever it's called. I just
1: watched it again before um, hopping on here just to reminisce, and I really wish I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so bad.
2: I I saw a never-ending story a few years ago, and it was the first time I'd seen it since I was a little kid, and man that scene is brutal, and like the uh, Treyu, is that his name his oh, true. His, yeah. his reaction to it and, and his the performance is just like heart-wrenching and, yeah. and uh, i feel like you know lately ever since having a, a kid the any sort of kid trauma stuff always mm. hits harder now so i don't mm. even know if i could watch it horse be damned a sad kid <laughs> is the, gonna be the problem
1: yeah yeah i mean it's been a long time since i've seen it but i i you know, I, I remember it being kind of something that helps him rise up and continue on his adventure, but just like, oh man, why did this kid have to oh, rough? I don't know why I picked this topic. I'm sorry guys. <laughs> well
2: it gets better from here, right? Okay, it's- okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cause next we go on to magic horses. <laughs>
2: All right, let's do it. Let's hear about this magic horse.
1: Oh boy. Okay. Um yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where uh I love fantasy. That's kind of, um, you know, uh, fantasy books and Lord of the Rings and all that, um, was kind of my wheelhouse uh, growing up. Um, I love going on an adventure and riding magical horses and unicorns and things. So right away I was like, well, I don't know. I think a unicorn counts as a horse. Some people like it's not a horse, but I'm like, it's a horse, you know, it's maybe got a lion tail and goat hooves, but it's all horse with a horn. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's horse plus. It's, it's horse yeah. adjacent. Um, we're close. <laughs> um, and I was going to say the unicorns from legend just because legend, the 1985 James Cameron classic
2: with the, uh, um, I think it's Ridley Scott.
1: Ridley Scott. I'm sorry. I said James Cameron because I was thinking aliens had Ridley Scott than James Cameron. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, yeah. I'll try to. <laughs> right. Horses and aliens. <laughs> Ridley Scott. You're right. You're right. Uh, my bad. Um, Tim Curry as the sexy devil. Um, But there's, two unicorns in it the the story is about this magical forest boy tom cruise who <laughs> protects the unicorns or he takes his his lady love to meet the unicorns and
2: i, uh, I just really like magical forest boy i think that's the <laughs> descriptor i think we need more magical forest boy movies I think so
1: too i think i mean have you are... ever
2: played any, any legend of zelda like this
1: <laughs> more of that um but the the unicorns it's this is these unicorns aren't even my pick. I don't know why I'm going so deep into this, but they make whale sounds. And there was something so magical about that to me. But like these horses that make whale noises because that's how they're otherworldly. Um, yeah. But uh, I digress. I don't know. I just really love that movie. I watched it a ton. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I feel like I should have researched this one a lot more, but I ended up picking the main character from The Last Unicorn, um, which was an animated series bye i would google it <laughs> i think, I think rank it's, and it's, bass.
2: it's so yeah it is rank and bass rank and, and bass. this is I, why I feel like you should have made another choice here because it oh, fits no. all of these same qualities. It's a it's a, a magical creature with horns. Mm-hmm. It's a, from a Rankin Bass production. Mm-hmm. I think you got to go with Rudolph.
1: Oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Rudolph is wonderful. <laughs> okay, it's a tie. It's a tie between Rudolph. <laughs> and... <laughs> Straining
2: horse though. You know, we...
1: Straining horse is
2: a different category. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean that is also a classic. <laughs> um... It just kind of hopped into my mind. I'd, I'd watched it recently. and was like, oh, yeah. Um, I'd remembered uh, there's, there's kind of a a funny, in Gravity Falls, there's, I think Gravity Falls, uh, there's, like, a funny episode with unicorns where the unicorns are kind of a dick. <laughs> and the reason the unicorns are so annoying is because they were based sort of on the main unicorn from the last unicorn. <laughs> I was like, was she really that annoying? I, I don't know. And I watched it again. and was like, you know, she speaks her mind, but, like... I'd give her props for that. You know, it's like all the unicorns are gone. She's going to go search for them and get on weird yeah, she's adventures. To luck, guys. She's, yeah, allowed to she's allowed, be allowed to a be little... kind of pissy. Like, you know, they turn her to a human. She's like, oh, what did you do? You... Uh-huh. Um, but,
2: I'd be disappointed too. If I'd be I disappointed. Yeah, I mean, yeah. look, we can, we can all
0: agree human is the worst. I know. Like, have all the options. <laughs> it's
1: just like a real downgrade. Yeah. <laughs> But you know she's able to become a unicorn again and and faces off against the big scary bull at the end. So I'm just like, yeah, good, good for her. Um, but yeah, that's that's more a nostalgic <laughs> kind of thing, and it's just really pretty. It's just such a pretty film. Um, just kind of ticks all those boxes.
0: Great cast too. Yeah, like Angela Lansbury yeah. and Christopher yeah. Lee. I love like Christopher Lee. Yes. But yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot of serious talent behind that cartoon.
1: Absolutely, and. not not to do a sad moment but i just i love that bit with uh, the molly grew character where the the woman sees the horse for the first time well she's not a horse she's unicorn but it's just like you know how dare you come to me now like why didn't i see you when i was young and and the world was new but you come to me now where i'm this just awful person and it was just there's something so like just heartbreaking about it but they get to go on an adventure so it's quite beautiful but that as a kid always struck me and then you know, thirty something. It's just like, oh, where's my unicorn? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I was promised a unicorn experience. Um, but yeah, that uh, that is my pick for magic horse. I will also give a nod to <clears throat> Shadowfax from Lord of the Ring- Lord of the Rings because just a cool horse.
2: <laughs> but is it a magic horse? Like it's I'm a magic a... horse.
1: It's Gandalf's BFF. Um, it's a horse. He's the Lord of Horses, sent from the gods, and just has. You know some really cool slow motion moments, so I was just like, "Yeah, it's a good one too." Is that
2: his magic power? Slow motion.
1: Just slow in a big movie. Just slows things down. You're like, yes. <laughs> Let me just look I'm, at that beautiful hair.
0: I think it's. I'm not sure if there's a discrepancy between the novels or the books. I think the the level of magic in that horse is is debatable. I don't want to well actually it because I don't know them that well either. Um, it, yeah. it. They. I imagine it may be called like if Stephen Colbert were here, he may oh, you he know, would, raise yes. an
1: issue. Yeah, he would. He so. would. Let's also. Okay, pause this. Go read the Silmarillion and <laughs> <laughs> come back. Yeah.
2: Pause this. Go talk to Stephen Colbert. Come back. Oh man,
1: that'd be great.
2: <laughs> Give us his contact information. Yeah. If nothing else, in the movie versions,
0: we definitely see that he appears in response to a like apparently magic whistle. So I oh, think that
1: that's counts. right. <laughs>
2: yeah. I'm still. I'm sticking with Rudolph here. I think. Yeah, he, uh, he it. <laughs> that's he He's got a shiny nose.
1: He kind of sings. He wait. Which one yeah. wanted to be a dentist? Rudolph didn't <laughs> want to be a dentist.
2: <laughs> <Curry>. <laughs> okay. Well, what's. What's number one here? What's oh, the best number horse of all time? All right,
1: let me tell you. So I recently saw this show called Centaur World. And, <laughs> what? Uh, what? And the main character is a horse named Horse. <laughs> and uh, Horse is brave, strong, could be kind of shitty, could be kind of snarky, loving, awkward, um, and goofy, and just kind of all of it. And, uh, you know, I spent a good nine months drawing horse, uh, both in more cool anatomical horse style and more squishy centerized horse style and just uh, yeah sorry guys she's my number one this is just a horse voiced by Kimiko Glenn and uh her singing makes me cry <laughs> and she's just a cute little bean and um yeah that's 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 my top list <laughs> all the others are cancelled just this one <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, say what you will about recency bias and all that jazz, but I think there's a valid approach to that. I mean, Horace is a great character. She has a ton of growth. Mm-hmm. She has life lessons and and yeah, I mean, a lot of you know, I don't want to undersell the you know the animation in favor of the, the voice actor, but the singing. Oh God! Like in in, in that cats episode where they <laughs> did the, the Who is She song yes. like that. Holy cow, that was impressive.
1: Yes, that, that was incredible. That was boarded by um uh, that episode director Jeremy Polgar who's an amazing board artist um, and we were just like the horse is awesome horse is kind of hot oh. <laughs> but this is really cool just... <laughs> but it was an amazing just her going completely full out extra before going completely centaur world eyes and getting all squishy so the contrast was amazing um, but yeah that, that the board for that was incredible and then just seeing the the color and the art and the animation come out was just like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, really cool. Do,
0: do you know exactly who it was who said, Yeah, you know, who, who looked at it, is it? Oh, oh, give the horse thigh high boots.
1: <laughs> I do. It was, it was like, <laughs> One of our story artists, she was like, "Do this," and they were like, "Oh, okay." Because
0: that is a that is a bold choice. That is bold choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing the, the rough drawing, just like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> we're just all like, "Damn!" <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> Sam. I'm gonna shout you out, Sam. That was your fault.
0: <laughs> I listen. It. Uh, I'm not gonna like. It, it's not that it didn't work. I, it definitely worked for that scene for sure. Sure, and i'm gonna leave it at that <laughs> folks at home you can judge for yourselves
1: go check out episode seven wait yes episode seven our roll on netflix right now
3: <laughs> <laughs> and you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, she,
2: yeah. is it it's i've never really worked out the names of the songs is it fragile things the name of the song where it's like It'll be okay or, or whatever. Yeah, ah, that there's
1: Riders Lullaby is the Maybe uh, that was first it. episode. And then Fragile Things is the second episode um, where Wink, the pink centaur and horse are kind of battling who gets to lead the herd. Mm. Um, they're, they're having this with them both singing at each other. Just Wink is you know, we should be careful and be gentle. And horse is like, no, go out and just put yourself in danger and just see what happens. And it's, you know, take risks. And it's They both have something to learn a little bit from each other and and that fragile things um, is that refrain that will come back through the series but um, Rider's Lullaby is also something that will come through any time you have a moment with horse and rider you'll get those little refrains and makes me cry You're okay You're alright I'll stay through the darkest night
3: All the way I will fight with you.
2: I man, it almost made me cry too. I that was yeah. that very beautiful song. There, some of the songs were were felt very silly and and very appropriate to a, a sort of a Muppety style show, as you've been calling it. And then some of them were just like heart wrenching yeah. and, and like
1: oh, yeah, the range and the you know <laughs> emotional whiplash. But the the range of just uh, you know Megan. Um, her songwriting is incredible. And uh, actually, I at one point, I think December, no, it wasn't December. A couple years ago, I actually flew out to Netflix for just a, an interview. It was one of those things where I could have just done it over video chat, but I wanted a vacation anyway. So I was like, I'll come, on, come <laughs> to the studio. And uh, Megan pitched me the opening animatic. Uh, you know, it's like you. she has the boards up and she'll click through it as she's describing what's happening. You no know, rider and horse charge down. She jumps off horse's back and charges up the minotaurs. Um, but then when the moment came that the song came up, Megan just started singing it live in front of me and I oh teared up because it's it was really beautiful. And, you know, uh, talking with the story team, we all kind of joked about having a similar experience where it's like she was like a siren, just like, come work on my show, let me sing to you. But it's <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful song and it, it really just, I don't know, sometimes it's like if I'm having a stressful day, I'll kind of just like, you know, you're all right. It's okay <laughs> like, just say it to myself and I wait the other way around. You're okay. You're all right. I'm not gonna sing. It, 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 yeah. You're
0: tempted, though. I can hear it.
1: <laughs> I'm trying, but uh, you know this is professional Netflix uh, quality <laughs> mic. But uh, I'm not really sound sound uh, uh, quality in here. <laughs> yeah, Jesse Jesse Miller uh from uh i believe uh waitress the broadway version of waitress sings that and uh she's just got a really beautiful voice um kind of her speaking voice kind of has a raspy quality to it which is cool and then the singing is so soft and so lovely and and hearing that especially coming in with the the instruments uh, backing it up is just a whole whole extra level you know talk about the power of music to just move you um there's songs i'll listen to on spotify that still make me tear up from the show so just you know, kudos to Megan and, uh, the, the sound team, the singers. just, you know, the power of music and cool animation.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can you tell us about any, (laughs) any other stuff you might be working on that is coming out soon or is it? Yeah.
1: Um, it's nothing coming out soon, soon. Um, so currently right now, uh, Netflix acquired uh, a whole bunch of, Writes to the role doll books like you know awesome. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and uh, Matilda and those kind of things and and uh, that's where I've been helping out um, after Centaur World so it's been cool just to dive into that world and uh, you know just the talent out here is incredible I feel like I'm I'm learning a ton still it's very inspiring a little intimidating but um, I've been keeping busy I just can't share anything for for a while so nope, but I'll let you know fair. as soon it as would... it's out. <laughs>
0: We didn't want you to get in trouble.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, <boy. laughs> yeah. And okay, and that's the list: the top five horses. That makes sense to me, and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to argue with horse at number one.
1: <laughs> yes, it just so, it just writes itself. <laughs>
0: So before we let you go, I mean, like, you know, Centaur World, obviously, but you've got a ton of your own stuff that you've done over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people are interested in your work, they want to find you, they want to see what you've got. Is there anything, you, essentially, or ask is anything you want to pitch? Have you got any, you know, any socials, any place where stuff is stored where people can come and find you?
1: Yeah, um, I have a, a proper website, uh, my name, katyshanahan.com. That's a K-A-T-I-E-S-H-A-N-A-H-A-N.com. And uh, that's um, a bunch of comics, um, some really cool comics written by my brother, um, and art and links. And I'm on Twitter. I'm on Tumblr. I'm uh, a little more active on Instagram, but uh, my my handle is ktshy, K-T-S-H-Y. So I'm around. I, I don't respond to stuff often these days just because I'm so busy, but I lurk. <laughs> I will be lurking. <laughs> just watching from the dark.
0: Don't call me. I'll call you. She is in LA. I got
1: real big time in LA, so I don't have time for liking things. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm sorry. Well, thank
0: you so much for making time for us.
1: Yeah, this was Uh, fun. Thanks for inviting me on.
0: Absolutely. It was a blast. Uh, Thanks again. Uh, well we are giving out thanks Uh, we of course also want to thank Oliver Wickham the guy behind our theme song Um, you can find him on Spotify he's a music producer he's just like look he's got a ton of really awesome stuff it's worth your time to check it out and finally we want to say thank you to you Um, we've been getting you know lots of fun interaction with the community we're trying to bring you the things that you want to hear and talk to the cool people we think that you'll like Um, we just like we, we, we love hearing your feedback and we want to encourage you to keep it flowing. Questions, comments,
2: concerns, whole kit and caboodle. Graham, how can folks get that stuff to us? Please email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. Centaur
0: World is on Netflix now. The first season is about 10 episodes. It is some of the wildest animation I have ever seen. It is an incredible musical comedy. It is absolutely worth your time. Plenty of stuff there to keep you busy until we get a chance to do this again. Uh, Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.